0: As Adam just said, we're moving toward the culmination of the EXPAND initiative. Next Sunday is our last Sunday in the series, the last Sunday of the initiative, and it will be our Commitment Sunday, and hopefully over the past few weeks you've been getting more information about this project, the new building that we're building, and the remodel of our current facility, the fellowship hall, the student ministry space, the improved restrooms on this side, and wider access to to this room coming from our uh, Welcome Center also our improved offices all those things as a part of this project and we've had people come to our town hall meetings i think at the first one and 40 at the second lots of you have asked me questions and some of our other elders and building team members you've asked questions of and hopefully you're getting that information that you need as you look through the uh, the brochure that came in the mail as well next week we'll have that opportunity to commit to this campaign both in terms of an offering and also as we make commitments over the next two years to the campaign and we've been thinking about how we get from where we are to the completion of all this hopefully we'll start some construction in the next month or so and then continue that uh, through the winter and then by the end of january we'll be doing some work as volunteers in the new building as well so all that's coming up but but how do we get from where we are to where we want to be and we've talked about how we've got to expand several things expand our faith in God because we limit what we think the church can do by what we believe our resources are and when we do that we exclude what <coughs> excuse me we exclude what God can do through us We've got to expand our vision expand our understanding of what God's called us to do and the people that God has called us to reach last week we talked about expanding our ministry as individuals and as a church and how we want to reach out specifically and strategically to the people around us so that they can come into a relationship with Jesus. And so we can teach people in our church, teach our students more about how they can grow in Christ. All those things are part of how we make this happen. But today we turn the corner and begin talking a little bit more about money because it does take money to build a building, and Adam's led us into that this morning. Now I want to tell you a little bit about the guy who's talking to you about generosity today because, to be honest... There are times I don't feel very generous. Have you ever been there? You may not like me very well when this one's over, but that's all right, okay? You know, we live uh, in town on West Main, not too far from the corner of Webster and Main Cross. Anybody know what happens there on the weekends? People stand and collect money for good causes, right? Some of you have done that. You know, it's things that matter in our community. Do you know how many times I go through that intersection on an average Saturday? Anywhere between 4 and 37, I think, okay? And you know, I don't mind giving once, but about the eighth time through, it's like I don't have any more cash, and how do these people that I know who go to our church, who are collecting money, who weren't here before, how do they know I gave the first seven times, right? Now they think I'm a jerk. And so... I avoid the intersection after a while. I go a different way. And then you get to Walmart and somebody's got something at the front door, right? And then when you get to the checkout, they're collecting money and suddenly, I don't feel very generous. If I wanted to be asked for money, I could stay at home, right? I mean, that would be no problem. We do want to be generous. I think most of us have some sense of wanting to help things that matter to be part of things that matter both in our church or our community or in our nation we've had opportunities to give over the past few weeks as we've had the storms that have ravaged our country and and many people have given even as a part of our church to to help people who are struggling through all that and yet there are times when we begin to say I don't feel so generous at this moment and maybe we feel guilty then because we're not giving like we think we should, but, but we don't give. And there's lots of reasons for that. I think there are many reasons that we have for sometimes not being generous. And one of those is our fear, right? Now, if we're just talking about a dollar to drop in some kind of basket or box or whatever at the, at the intersection or at the door to Walmart or whatever it is, uh, fear's not really a factor because we're only talking about a buck or maybe five bucks or whatever it is. But when we begin to talk about an initiative to build a building that's going to cost $875,000, that's a whole different deal, isn't it? And when we talk about our leaders stepping up and as families offering $10,000 on average per family, that's a significant gift. That's a sacrificial gift. That's a gift that you will feel over time. That's hard to ignore. And we get a little afraid of that. And what happens if something changes in my life? What if my income changes for some reason? Maybe because of a a job that changes or because investments change. Whatever it may be where your stream of income comes in and now things are going to change and you're a little bit afraid of marking on that commitment card that you've got this morning that I'm going to give this much money next Sunday and I'm going to give this much money over the next two years. It makes us a little afraid. How do I know that I'm not going to run out of money before I run out of life, right? That's a concern. And so we have some fear about giving, some fear about making a significant sacrificial gift to the church or to anything else. And so that keeps us from being as generous as we might even want to be. Procrastination sometimes keeps us from giving. We think, you know what, I, I can't give now because I'm not in the situation to give like I want to, so I'll give later. I'll give when I get that raise. I'll give, I'll give when I get a better job. I'll, I'll give when my kids are out of college. I'll give when this gets paid off. And there's always a reason to put it off, right? Because there's always some kind of financial pressure. Most of us don't live in a world where we don't feel financial pressure of some sort. And so we think there'll be a time when I can give more. There'll be a time when I can give that significant sacrificial gift that I may want to give right now, but I don't feel I can. I can give. And the problem is we can always find a reason to put it off until later. And so procrastination keeps us from being generous. And sometimes it's just that we don't like to give, right? I just don't feel like it. Maybe because of where we are, maybe because of what's going on in our minds or our hearts, or maybe what's happening in our families, or maybe we've already given in a sacrificial and significant way in the past, or recently, we just don't feel very generous at the moment, and it keeps us from giving. Now, later on, we may say, you know what, I should have I stepped up, I should have done something. But in that moment, we just might not feel very generous. And there's lots of other reasons that we could probably come up with for the fact that we don't give like we know we should, or maybe even the way we want to give. And and they're important, and some of them are even valid, but some of them are excuses as well. So today, I want us to look at what Scripture has to say about some of this, and what Scripture says about giving. We're going to talk about this next week as well, as we have Commitment Sunday. But today, I want us to establish two important parts of this, and the first one is our motivation, Our motivation for giving. And scripture speaks to this in lots of different ways. We've already talked about one of them in the series where Paul talks to the Philippian Christians about partnership in ministry. And we talk together about how we are partners in ministry. And part of what Paul was saying in that letter was, thanks for your gift. Thanks for providing for me. Because you have given, we are partners in this. We're connected in this. We said that word partnership was like community, okay, fellowship, partnership. It meant there was some kind of giving or sharing. And so part of our motivation is that we want to be partners in this. We don't want the expand initiative to go by and say, well, you know, I really wasn't that interested. Everybody else was a part of it, but I didn't feel like jumping in. We want to be connected to one another. It's not just about bricks and mortar, it's about people and the ministry that God's called us together to do and the fact that we share in this as a body. We need every person, not just every person's money, we need every person's spirit, we need every person's talents, we need every person's ministry. And so we're called to do this thing we call church together. And part of that is giving. And so that's one piece of this. When we look at the Old Testament over and over, what we see, and this stretches in the New Testament as well, but we see the people in the Old Testament bringing gifts, right? They bring their gifts to the altar. Some of them are sacrificed there. There were gifts that provided for the priests. There are all kinds of gifts, and they were always seen as an act of worship. Giving was an act of worship. And so part of our motivation is partnership. Part of our motivation is worship. When we bring a gift for a building or the general operating expenses of the church or to help somebody that's in need. Maybe we're passing that gift on. Maybe it's about missions where we're sharing the gospel with people who aren't even in our community but are around the world, people who don't know Jesus. It's all an act of worship. We are coming together to worship God when we give because we're giving that money to God. We're saying, you know what? I'm not going to use this money for myself and for my family. We're not going to buy a new car with this money. We're not going to buy new clothes. We're not going to buy food. We're not going to buy a house. We're going to give this money to God. And you know, when I give it away, it's not mine anymore. It's God's. And giving that up, that releasing of what we have, says to God, you're more important than my stuff. And whenever we say God is more important than anything else, that's worship. Because we're giving God his due, what God deserves. And God deserves more than we have. God deserves more than we can give him. But when we do that, it's an act of worship. So giving, part of our motivation, is that we want to worship. And then we want to see also how Jesus talks about this. In Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus says this. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Jesus says, give, and you'll be surprised how God will bless. In fact, he says, you know, you take a cup and you pour something into it, and you press it down so you can put a little bit more. You shake it up so you can get a little bit more, and then you pour some on top, and it runs over the edges. That's the kind of gift that God gives back to you. Now, is it always financial? No, Jesus doesn't say, put money in the offering plate, and before you know it, Before the week is over, you're going to have more than you put in. That might be the gift. That might be the way God blesses. But it just might be that God blesses you in other ways. That because you're willing to sacrifice for him, God cares for you. God cares for your family in ways that are not related to money. But of course we know God's already blessed us more than we deserve. He's already given us his son. And no matter how much money we gave in return for that, it would always still be a blessing, shaken down, poured in, overflowing, far more than we deserve, far more than we could have asked or imagined. That Jesus died for us while we were still sinners, as we've already heard this morning. A blessing that is more than we deserve. But, but here Jesus says, <clears throat> God is a God who blesses. God is a God who cares for his people. And that's part of our motivation for giving. You know, we don't just give to get something from God, but to be part of what God is doing, to be part of the way that God blesses. But I also want to talk about the method. We have the motivation and also the method. Here's what Paul says about that as he was teaching the, the Christians in Corinth about giving and a collection that he had called them to, to pull together. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Paul says, Now about the, the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. This is how I told them to give. This is the method. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to also go, they will accompany me. Now what does Paul say here? You need a plan. You need a method for your giving. And he says, here's one way to do it, this is what I told the Galatians to do, when you gather on Sundays, because they gathered on Sundays like we do, take up an offering. See, it's biblical, you thought that preachers came up with that idea, didn't you? (laughs) Take up an offering, why then? Because when we give on a regular basis, first of all, we have an opportunity to worship God, over and over through giving. We have an opportunity to partner with one another, just as we've been talking about. We have an opportunity to allow God bless us through giving. But we also give more consistently. We give more when we give over time. We do that just like they did. And so we give a gift each week, or as Adam said, whatever your income stream allows. But we give consistently during those times. Paul says, collect it every week in accordance with your income. So did Paul say, hey, everyone needs to give exactly the same amount? No. Paul says, listen, I know you're different. I know you don't all make the same money. I know you don't all have the same money. Give according to your income. Okay? God doesn't expect us all to give the same gift. We've talked about this all the way through this initiative, that God expects us all to sacrifice. It'll be equal sacrifice, but not an equal gift. And so we can all sacrifice without giving the same gift. But Paul's point is, we need a plan. And it's true for us. We're not going to reach this goal. We're not going to build this building. We're not going to improve this facility by accident. It's only going to happen as the church, and that's all of us, makes a plan, a method for giving. Over time, We'll get this done together. That's the only way it's going to happen. It can't be one family. It can't be just a few families. Some families will give more than others. But this will only happen as we as a church choose to give sacrificially together as an act of worship. And when we've got that method, then we can reach our goal together. So if we pull all that together, I think we could say this. A blessing always comes from increased generosity. A blessing always comes from increased generosity. When we choose to say, okay, I've been giving this, and I'm going to give more, there's a blessing in that. We're, number one, blessing God, right? We're choosing to worship him. We're choosing to say he is more important than our stuff. But we're also opening up our lives for God to bless us, to take care of us so that we trust him even more. When he provides for us after we've given, then we know that God is at work in our lives. And we've seen that over the last few weeks. We've had some videos, we'll have another one next week, of people in our church who have chosen to give. And their testimony is, you know what? We weren't sure we could do this, right? That's what we keep hearing. We weren't sure that we could step up to a tithe, 10% of our income. We weren't sure that that could happen. And you know what? When we did... God took care of us. God made sure that we were still provided for. Nobody went hungry. God took care of us. And that's a great testimony to us. Because lots of people think, I can't step up my giving. We're living on the edge now. There's no way that I could give any more. And the surprising thing is, an increased blessing comes from increased generosity. We want an opportunity to be blessed. We want an opportunity to partner with each other and to partner with God. But, but this is about, again, more than a building, more than improved facilities. This is about changed lives. Okay? We don't want a building just to have a new building. We don't want a building just to have a nicer building than the building we have. We don't want a building just to sort of focus on our needs. What we want to see are lives change. And when we look in our student ministry, and we see the kids that are there and the struggles that they have with the life that that they have to live in our culture, which is not always easy, the challenges that they face. We want a place where they know they can come and be safe and be surrounded by people who love them. We want a place where where kids in our community can know that if I go there, there is someone who cares, not just a good student minister like Zach, and we're thankful to have him, But the people that he's built into, involved in his ministry, and many of you are involved in that, who say, yeah, I care about these kids and I wanna be there for them. And when they have those struggles, I wanna be present. We need that. We need changed lives. Those of us who are parents know how important it is when our kids are struggling to have someone with the same values that we have speaking into our kids' lives because they will hear it differently Then they hear it from us as parents, right? Any of us of our parents know that. Kids come home and say, wow, somebody told me this, Dad. And we go, yeah, I've been telling you that for 10 years, right? (laughs) But it sounded new because somebody else said it. We want a place like that. And we need a bigger place because we've got more students than we can handle in the space we've got. We want to have a place where families can come after a funeral and we can minister to them. It's a small thing, but it's a big thing, a meal, says we care and we want to give you a place to share your memories, to grieve, to laugh, to cry. We want to be there for you while your family is struggling. We want to do that and we need more space for that. We want to have a place where we can have conferences and talk about parenting and uh, marriage and where we can talk about spiritual growth and we can have ample room to have people come in and speak to them about that. We need more rooms for teaching. We need the improved facilities in this building as well. It's all about changing lives and allowing God to be at work in the life of this church. So I'm asking you, the elders are asking you, our expand initiative team is asking you to think over the next week about how you can be generous in this campaign, in this initiative. As we think about the lives that could be changed for eternity, we have this opportunity to work together to give together. You know, we all give at different levels, and some people already have a very intentional way of giving. They have a method for giving. Maybe you're at the point right now, where up to now, it's been really easy to just, you know, when you get to church, open your wallet, and if there's a five there, it's great, you'll throw it in. If there's a 10 there, it's great, you'll throw it in. If there's a 20 there, you might make change and pass the tray on down. (laughs) But we really need to think about being Generous in a consistent way. And this is an opportunity for you to begin to do that. If you haven't really been giving in a consistent way over time, now's an opportunity to say, you know what? I want to be intentional about this. And I want to step this up. And I want to step to a tithe. Or I want to step toward a tithe. And we might say, well, what, what should I give? A tithe is a great standard in the Old Testament, that was commanded. We don't see a command for that in the New Testament, but it seems a great place to start, a great place to be. Maybe you want to make a step to that. And this is a two-year commitment, so make that two-year commitment. Increase your giving in an intentional, consistent way, and allow God to bless. And at the end of that two years, you and your family, or if you're, you're alone, then you can just look back and say, okay, you know, how has God blessed And maybe you can continue that at the end of that two years and understand that God really can take care of you. So pray over that commitment card. we have asked each family to give courageously. Write the largest check you've ever written to the church next Sunday and put that in the offering plate for the Expand initiative. Consistently, as we've been talking about, a regular, weekly, monthly, however you want to give over two years, and then creatively... If you've got some way to give a car or a boat or a stock or whatever, something that's meaningful, that's a great gift, and a non-cash gift can be as important as a cash gift. But talk about that with your family. Pray about that. Think about how God can be at work in you. Think about how a blessing always comes from increased generosity. And just allow God to bless. And maybe it'll be monetary, but maybe you'll see God at work in you in ways that you might not have expected. Maybe God will lead you to ministry that you wouldn't have thought of. Maybe God will care for your family in a way that you weren't expecting as well. But let him show you. Be a partner in this. Let's pray together. God, help us to see beyond just buildings but to lives. We want to see you at work in this place, God. And so we ask that you would provide for us as a church Help us to have the courage to step out and give like we haven't given before. Just asking that you'll continue to provide for us, for our families. You'll take care of us in that, that you'll bless us. And God, we pray as we look forward to this project getting underway, that you'll be in the midst of all of it as you have from the very beginning. God, we want this to be yours, not ours. And so we ask that you would be at work in us and work in the people who are helping us through this project. And God, we ask that you would provide for it through your people. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond to Jesus. Maybe you know it's time for your life to change, and you're ready to open your life up to Jesus in faith and repentance, which just means you want to change the way that you're living. We've all had to say, I repent. I'm going the wrong way. I want to go the right way. And then in baptism, to be immersed into Christ, if you've made any of those decisions, If you want to be a member of our church as well, we'd love to talk with you about that. Come forward as we sing our invitation. Let's stand together.